Welcome to the Pure Victory Podcast, full of hot tips to help you win at sex, conquer porn, and find purpose in staying free forever. Here are your hosts, Matt Klein and Braden Hafner. Hey, welcome back to the Pure Victory Podcast. Matt here, half bro here. <laughs> Still using that, eh? Now the new year, a new kind of turning over a new leaf, a new year that that would just die with 2022. But well, yeah, no, we no, the reason is because like, I was talking to someone this week and they were like, we're talking about some podcast episode. He's like, is that the one with the, where you talk about half bro? Yeah. So we can identify podcasts through nicknames. So I'm just waiting to be walking down the street and someone yellowed half bro. Well, and I'll whip my neck around and there'll just be some guy I've never met before. The yeah. amount of attention you're getting publicly these days, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I'm, I'm limping around a little bit, have an injury. So I think I'm a little bit more noticeable to people. So, um, yeah, that's probably why. That's true. That's true. <laughs> if anyone out there's ever pulled a hamstring, uh, Braden's been limping for a while. And oh, I'm a gimp. Looking yeah. like he's almost 41 years old. So yeah, it's true. Yeah, but uh, pray for his recovery. If you've pulled that, pulled a hammy, I'm sure you can relate. Uh huh. Yeah. Some of your sympathy, please. Uh, it helps. Helps me on my healing journey. <laughs> we should get going with what we're talking about today because yeah, we have right. Chandler here just looking at us and, <laughs> and we're excited. I, I'm wondering if I get a nickname too, you know, is that part of being a guest on the podcast? <laughs> oh, oh man. You put us on the spot, Chandler. I mean, I, th- I think Matt's a little bit quicker on his feet. Hey, buddy. Hey, you come up with that. Maybe. I don't know. What to, what, be earned, right? Maybe by the end of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it could right. be earned. That's true. What's your last name? Rogers. Rogers. Oh, man. Well, Mr. Rogers, that's a good one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was going to go Raj, but yeah, I like Raj. Mr. Rogers. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, we've got Mr. Rogers here on the podcast with us, and uh, he is the founder, co-founder of an app called Relay, and we're excited to talk about Relay, to promote Relay, and uh, to partner with what what they're doing. And so, yeah, Chandler, we're excited to have you and just uh, excited to hear about your story today. Yeah, thanks guys for having me on. Good mm-hmm. to be here. So maybe let's start there, Chandler. I think it'd be great to hear a little bit of your background and story about why you built this app and why it matters. So maybe get into that. Let's let's talk about your past yeah. a little bit. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was just telling you guys before we started recording that I grew up almost all across the U.S. I, I lived in, I think, seven different states. Um, some people have me beat that I've talked to. So it's not like I moved around every single year, but uh, my family wasn't military. My dad just changed companies every so often, but I was the oldest of five kids and my parents, both very religious and, uh, faith filled individuals. They raised us with a strong focus on Christ ever since the early, early age. And I think like, as I grew up moving around a lot and being kind of the oldest, I felt a lot of, I, I think in some ways, healthy expectations, but also pressure to be, uh, good, I guess, like to perform and and to figure out, you know, how to make new friends in a new place and how to, I guess, like live the values that, that we had been learning in church and in, in the home and set an example to my younger siblings. Um, and, and so I think early on, like, I know I probably gave my parents a hard time as a strong personality individual, like as they talk about my early days, there was this theme also that relates now to Relay and working on an app where I loved technology. Like I was playing these computer games to learn how to type when I was like three years old or something. And so by the time I was in school and most kids were learning to type, like I was already like a really competitive person too, right? So like trying to type, I don't know, like 70 words a minute, 80 words a minute yeah. as just like a little kid. But it was like this idea of of technology that was super fascinating to me. 
that was this other part of kind of growing up and who I was. And I'm kind of hopping around different themes here. But as I go into my high school years, I, like most people, was exposed to pornography. And I don't have a super clear image in my mind, actually, of exactly when that happened or when it was. But I, I do remember specifically, I guess, stumbling upon masturbation and not really knowing kind of what what that was or what was going on. And that was something that we hadn't talked a lot about in my family, although they had talked about kind of the dangers of pornography and kind of being prepared for that. And, and so I think my parents actually did a really good job at trying to make it an open conversation where we could come to them or that there was kind of an open dialogue around some of those more sensitive issues. But I guess as I started struggling and it started to become more habitual and, and eventually led into pornography on a more regular basis, I guess I was probably 14, 15. By the time I think I realized really what I'd got myself into, I I realized that like I was really having a hard time stopping on my own. Like it felt really compulsive. And I started just feeling a ton of shame. And and I remember really clearly just like kind of beating myself up internally, thinking how like all I wanted to do was be like a good son of God, a good son for my parents and like be successful and whatever that meant in life. And like, how am I struggling with something that I never thought that I would, you know? And and looking back, I think there's all sorts of kind of cognitive distortions or, or false notions that I had started to believe, but I, I think it really started affecting my relationship with God and feeling like I wasn't worthy to be his son, or I wasn't just like, I wasn't good because I struggled with this, despite my sincere efforts and desires to be good in, in a lot of other ways in my life. And so I think for a lot of those years in high school, I let it really define me feeling like I was failing uh, generally just because of that and, and kind of struggling to to kick this compulsive habit that it that it kind of developed without me really wanting it to. So that that was kind of the early, I guess, like formation of, of struggling with with this and realizing like the shame that was starting to affect me. And, and I was really isolated. So I hadn't really opened up to anyone. And and as we know, right, that doesn't usually lead to a formula for healing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's crazy when when we struggle with this, it's such a big thing and it it really does define us in our own minds. Not in God's eyes, not in a lot of other people's eyes, but in our own minds, it defines us. And and I always say we 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 keep it quiet because we think it's if we get it out, that's going to be how other people define us. But really, we got to get it out so that it doesn't mark the way that we live and affect us. And so once you start getting it out, I I would assume that you experienced something different in terms of you know not keeping secrets, maybe some more community. But what was that journey for you in in getting that out rather than keeping it secret? Yeah. Well, I, I think because of the foundation my parents had tried to lay in making it a uh, approachable, I think, relationship where we could talk to them about this, somehow along the way, I guess I did feel comfortable in going to my mom and talking to her about what was going on. I'm really grateful that I did because I, I really feel like there probably wasn't any other path that I would have started to be more honest or started to put this out in the open and get help if I hadn't kind of gone that route. And so I feel really grateful that she at least tried to create that environment, even if it wasn't maybe perfect. Um, And I know that she, so I guess we had that initial conversation and she initially beat herself up a lot. Like I failed as a mother, you know, what could I have done better to protect you from, from struggling with this? And that really, I think put me in a place where I had to then, 
advocate for for myself and taking responsibility and, and realizing like yeah I'm in, I'm in a place where i need help right now but this doesn't reflect on you and i i think this also doesn't reflect on me like i don't feel like i'm lost as a as a person because we're having this conversation so i think actually as i'm just talking out loud about this now it's making me realize i think just having to to choose to to disclose that to her and to bring her into my my corner into my team actually helped me see myself differently and realize that i wasn't a failure not that she was trying to you know insinuate that i was but seeing her kind of distraught i think made me realize like well, I actually don't think this is as, you know, much of an earth shattering moment as it uh, feels like it is emotionally. And okay, we can figure out a plan from here and it'll probably be okay. Right. Um, and so she, she actually kind of stumbled across a kind of local group-based program for teenage young adult guys um, trying to overcome unwanted sexual behavior, pornography. And so she kind of passed along to me and I was actually really open to the idea uh, of having other guys that I knew who were in the same boat. I don't know. I know it can be scary for a lot of people, but I just remember feeling like for so many years of struggling alone, I just wanted this breath of fresh air of I'm ready to like have other people on my team, on my support system. I realized, I think by that point that I didn't really have a support system. So I got involved with that. And I think that was really transformative and going from struggling alone in isolation with all the shame to having a group of peers who are in the same boat where I feel like a lot of that shame was kind of removed and learning how to not do this in isolation, but to work together with other people and to figure out what connection really meant in my healing journey and, and how to have accountability without shame Mm -hmm. and how to see my relationship with God in a more healthy light um, and my view of myself. And so it, it wasn't all roses from there. Um, it, in fact, see, I've been married a few years now and I've struggled recently. Uh, and so I'm still kind of learning things. And I feel like there's been like these iterations of, of things that I'm learning and ways that I've grown through the healing process. But I think that was kind of the early first big breakthrough and um, making some sub- substantive gains in, in my recovery, both in what I was learning and, and both in kind of breaking free from the actual behaviors I'm curious, Chandler, for many of us that has struggled with porn and now as part of our story, isolation was kind of the default setting for us because that was what we think was more comfortable and we think we can beat it on our own. And the thought of sharing with somebody, the thought of opening up to a group, it's pretty foreign. We don't want to do that. So why was that something that you kind of move forward? And because sometimes we fumble through the dark a little bit in this. We don't know what we don't know. We don't know how to get free and heal. We don't really have an idea how to do that. So what was the process for you to understand, hey, I got to share this with somebody. And also I have to be part of a community that can help. Where did you kind of come to that realization? Yeah, Yeah, I, I mean, I think part of it was definitely just a sheer amount of like, I don't know how many times I had like said, like, I can do this, you know, something is going to be different about this next time, but, you know, changing none of the inputs to the formula, basically still struggling alone and unsurprisingly getting the same results. So some, somewhere along the way, just kind of logicking my way and realizing like, this isn't working. And so just, I think the sheer desire to, I, I think be free and be healed outweighed whatever uncomfortableness was kind of wrapped into having to change things um so i think that was a big part of it but i think also like i think that was probably enough to get me to the first you know meeting or whatever 
But I remember from there, I think there was still a process of really accepting and choosing to make the most out of it. Cause I think there is this gradient scale of you can choose to like start going to a group or choose to open up to like I did, I might, you know, a close family member, my mother, and that can be a one-time conversation or it can transform how you live this recovery journey day to day to actually be really effective as opposed to just a one-time kind of disclosure, which I think I realized that it needed to be way more than just a one-time disclosure to my mom or to a, a group, but I needed to like integrate a support system to actually how I was living this recovery journey. And so I don't think I'd fully gotten there by the time I started attending this group, but I remember like, as I showed up from the very first day, I was just surprised. I think the thought was kind of like, wow, a lot of these guys seem very normal and, and also like good people. Um, and I don't know what I was expecting, but I think it kind of reveals almost some of my misconceptions about myself that I was a bad person or that if you're struggling with this, you have to kind of be a failure and realizing that those were lies. And I think having just some empathy and taking an interest in who the other people were in the group, like just getting to know them from that first day, the second meeting, like early on, just starting to care about their stories and realizing that the empathy I was starting to develop towards them was feeding back into my desire to be more and more open with them uh, and like bringing them really into this process of recovery for me. And so I think like, I wasn't there a hundred percent when I chose to jump in. And I think that's maybe the lesson that like starting to go is also like helpful to start to see why it's actually not so scary and why potentially even caring about other people struggling with this ends up helping yourself. Oh too. yeah. Oh, we've seen that so many times. You're you're describing the journey of so many guys that we've seen in Pure Freedom Journey where they come in and they're scared or hesitant to register for so long and then they do and then they're like, I don't want this group to end. They just love it. And I got a text yeah. this morning from a guy in Calgary. He up in Canada, Western Canada, he flew over to Ontario over Christmas, but then he met up with one of his group members and sent me a smile or a selfie of them smiling together mm -hmm. and it's cool like so many guys that meet each other even from different cities that's they're definitely not the first so it's that the power of community does something that we can't even really explain although mr rogers you did just explain it <laughs> <laughs> yeah you did just explain it pretty well well what's your what's the relay story i'd love to hear about the app and and thanks for sharing your story mm -hmm. yeah. and now what's the, yeah. the relay story um and uh and i'm curious too with that what's the name relay about where did the name come from mm -hmm. yeah well, well, the story actually is kind of a continuation of right where we just left off with my experience going to group. So I think the next big lesson I learned and really figuring out, hey, like I, I should try to integrate this whole concept of a group into my life deeper because it's really going to help me. And I think what I started to realize, we, we were meeting on Thursday nights over Zoom and it was like a two hour meeting. Between that like those weekly meetings, we self-organized like a group chat. We had ways of, of trying to stay in contact. And we would sometimes even talk about in group, like how can we be more supportive of each other during the week? Like what can we do to help each other be successful at implementing the different principles in the program that we were learning and practicing? And I just remember conversation after conversation of like, oh man, like you were struggling the other day. Like, why didn't you pick up the phone or why didn't you reach out or you know, what, what more could we have done to help kind of catch this proactively in between meetings rather than having the same conversation over and over of like, Oh, you like, you weren't doing your journaling. Like I remember our, our clinician, it was kind of a clinician led group. 
he'd be like, you didn't do your journaling this week. Like we had to wait seven days to figure out that some guy had been like really slacking on, you know, and, and maybe it was because he was struggling emotionally, but he didn't reach out because that's really hard to pick up the phone. And so I just started to see this theme over and over of like, the group has to be more kind of powerful and extend beyond just the one zoom meeting a week. And we have to figure out a way to make that happen. Uh, because when we did see those glimpses of actually tapping into the power of each other between meetings, so much improved. Like we we actually implemented the different aspects of the program more effectively and preempted various setbacks that otherwise would have occurred if we hadn't been there for each other. And and I think figuring out like how to do this in just a group chat was kind of a lot of work. Like it took a lot of proactivity and kind of structuring a system of how we would take the program and put it into this group text format to stay accountable and connected seven days a week and not just one day a week. And, and inevitably it just kind of fizzled out or was tough to gain momentum with that type of a system outside of the meetings. And so that, that's really where then fast forward to college. I, I was in college with a few buddies and we were in a entrepreneurship program where it was kind of also like a computer science class where we could choose to build any app. Like we could come up with an idea for an app and we get credit to work on it for a year uh, towards our major, which was a pretty sweet deal. Um, and I, I guess kind of interspersing some other parts of my story, I had worked for some startups, building apps and websites. And, and I really, I guess my love for technology had continued to grow, but I didn't just want to build random websites and apps. I wanted to build stuff that was useful for the world. And so I pitched my friends on like, basically these insights from my group experience and realizing like, Hey, I don't think there's really good tools for group based recovery programs to help people stay connected and accountable between their meetings. What if we built a tool that does X, Y, and Z, blah, 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 you know, started brainstorming. And from there, uh, we actually started piloting with the groups that I had attended and, and starting to figure out like, what do people actually want this thing to do? What would actually be valuable and realizing like we weren't trying to build a new program. Like we weren't trying to come in and write new curriculum. Like we we actually wanted to bring in our expertise with technology and figure out, is there a way that we can enhance what people like you guys are, are already doing? And, and so that was kind of the early genesis and and eventually realized that there was, you know, a whole need there, but also there was a whole need around people who, like we just talked about just haven't been able to get themselves to the point of jumping into any of these programs because it does feel too scary and the barriers are a little too high. Um, and so we started actually building a way for people to get matched into a group with relay, like not needing to have a group already. So where you could come in and if you're starting your recovery journey or kind of realizing that maybe you're missing pieces, not having a good support system, we will make it really non awkward and much more approachable, uh, compared to maybe, you know, showing your face on a Zoom meeting or walking in person to some meeting to still get a group of peers where you can stay somewhat anonymous, but also have real connection that's more effective than, I don't know, just like a big Reddit thread with other people who are also trying to quit addiction. So that was kind of the journey. And then and then why the name Relay? You know, I, I guess the early ideas for this were all centered around teamwork. Mm-hmm. And we bounced around a bunch of different names. But what we loved about Relay was this idea of like, a relay race being this event where a team is working together towards the same goal, you're still running your individual leg. Like it's still a very personal journey, but you're all working together and you're not alone. And so we just love the idea, I guess, of, of kind of that working together towards healing. Cool. 
I I got the visual of that. I mean, I think of the four by one hundred or something like that, mm-hmm. and uh, you you have hand off the baton, but uh, you're a team, and you each run That's your right. own part of the race. That's great analogy for it's sure. It's probably it's probably more, less of a sprint, right, and more yeah. of a yeah. long distance. Right? Thanks for clarifying that. That's right. Yeah, yeah I don't yeah. want to people to I feel like track in high school, and yeah, I wish I wish recovery was like a one hundred meter sprint, <laughs> but uh, it probably is more like a marathon. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, that's right. But no, you're right. The team aspect of that. Well, I, I like the team aspect because it brings me brings back. Uh, memories from my childhood of Canada always beating the U.S. at the Olympics, <laughs> oh, <laughs> the geez. World Championships. Oh my goodness! Four by one hundred. Chandler's gonna jump through the screen here, and I remember the U.S. beating us more than that. But there's the odd time, hey? Yeah. Don, Donovan Bailey's. There, oh right? yeah, there you go. That's going back to the '90s. Yeah, yeah that's great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 1996 Atlanta. That's Donovan right. Bailey was king. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Anyway, let's come back. <laughs> Um, so kind of your own journey, I'm curious, what did you bring into the app that you learned? Um, cause I know that sometimes building an app is one thing, um, your own personal story, um, navigating porn and, and working towards freedom is a whole other thing. So how did you kind of fuse those together? Was that a difficult yeah. process? Oh yeah. Oh, it's still a process. Like mm-hmm. we, today we have I think like 1300 people utilizing the app and maybe half of them are involved in some sort of program that utilizes relay as a tool in the program. Half of them are just kind of using it on the side or uh, just kind of their main resource. And we still realize like there's a lot of gaps in where we want this tool to be and what we envision it being for people versus where it is today. And it's certainly hard. Like I, I think we take for granted in the modern world, you know, pull, pull open my iPhone and every app just feels seamlessly beautiful and does what I want it to do. And with something as kind of tricky and nuanced as recovery, we've had to spend a lot of time working with clinical advisors and also like just talking to people using our app and figuring out what do we need to improve here? And so it's definitely been a journey. But I think one thing that we, we built in the app early on that we didn't realize would be so popular and helpful for people was this concept of the red flag. And, and this kind of goes back to the scenario of someone who, whether they're kind of feeling particularly pulled to act out right now, or maybe they're just feeling a little off and realizing like, hey, I'm feeling triggered, whether it's stressed or lonely or just kind of tired after a long day at work. Being able to pick up the phone often is hard for a lot of people or to send a message even if I have people that I can reach out to. And so the red flag was meant to reduce the friction in doing that, which is a single tap. I can kind of let my group know that I'm not doing well right now. And we've even kind of integrated that with a kind of daily emotional check-in tool that's meant to help people identify stressors and triggers and regulate their emotions. As we know, a lot of kind of what leads up to acting out is not managing our stressors and our triggers and, and emotions. Um, and so we built a way that makes it easy to essentially identify, Hey, I am feeling stressed and tired right now. I didn't even realize that. And then the app is prompting me to throw a red flag with one click of a button. Now my group can know that I'm stressed and tired and it hasn't even maybe led to the point of where it normally does of wanting to act out. And so all of a sudden I've been able to kind of have this intervention moment that wasn't really possible before just because of the way that we've made it really easy and just taken some of the friction out of being aware of that and then reaching out and making that just a more seamless process for people. So that's one thing we've heard over and over from people is like, I love the red flag feature. It just, I finally am reaching out more when I probably should have been all this time. 
which has been cool to see. And I think the other thing too, that I realized is like, even if I don't need to throw a red flag, uh, it'd be nice if like, I kind of want that extra layer of transparency. So my group can be able to see like, am I doing my kind of daily set of actions that I've committed to as a part of the program or working my recovery process? You know, for me, it's like daily prayer and scripture study and exercising for 30 minutes and spending time with my wife, like those things that keep me in a more healthy, balanced place to be able to regulate my stressors and triggers. I I like that in Relay now, my group can be able to see my status essentially like am i doing those things and there's some baked in accountability that people have commented and i think we didn't really estimate uh how this would be be, i guess but the feedback has been like it feels like it's effective accountability that's not shameful but actually is motivating me between kind of our meetings or just in general to work on the things i need to be working on rather than just focusing on not slipping up with porn or whatever it is i'm like got this accountability system that's customizable to me that my peers who are also in the same boat and therefore like I don't feel judged by them like we're able to kind of help each other with that mm, that's great yeah I had a question coming out of that because I kind of want to get into the app a little because I'm really intrigued um is this like say I'm a uh, someone who's coming into this and I, I, I'm you know getting your app uh, do I need to come in that with my own existing program I know you mentioned groups you don't need to have a group but do I need to have, say, my own kind of recovery program that I'm utilizing? Or does Relay have that that can connect me to that as well if I sign up? Right. Yeah. So so originally we built it to be primarily for people that already were a part of some program and that they could just kind of layer in Relay to help complement and supplement mm-hmm. that. Um, and now, now that's not uh, a necessity. So we I, I mentioned of the people that are in our app right now, it's about half and half. Half of them are coming in with some sort of program and and the group that they have is actually a part of their program too. The other half of people, like we, we've also built the app to be, you know, while it kind of complements and can mesh with existing programs. And I mentioned, we didn't want to write our own curriculum. Right. Like it won't feel like you're working through a PDF of like 12 weeks of stuff. We still have built it to like kind of introduce like the pulse check is that tool for like regulating your emotions and identifying stressors and triggers that I mentioned. So we'll introduce, you know, why is that even important to recovery? And here's how, you know, here's why you're going to do this exercise and why it's a tool that we've made for you here in the app. And so we've tried to build it also now for, for people that maybe are just looking for something and they don't have a program already relay should be self-sufficient enough to give them, I'd say a baseline set of tools. I still think and believe that there's value in, um, pursuing a, I guess, more high touch or comprehensive program, like, like what you guys offer. And I think people who are getting the most out of relay are kind of doing those two things in tandem, but we ha- we do have a lot of people who are just using relay as like certainly better than nothing in terms of starting out to get some basic tools, plus accountability, plus connection with other people in the same boat. And so we've tried to make it work for both groups. If that answers the question. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And do you have people just doing like two-person groups just one-on-one accountability we've had a couple people do that yeah and like one guy i talked to um he just added his wife to the group but we've actually recently introduced a tool because we started to see more and more and more people say can i just form a small group that's like me and basically a sponsor or people who aren't uh, struggling with the same thing that i am and so we realized that people do want to have a group of peers, but they also want to involve these other people in their support system. And so we do now have a feature where you don't have to create like a two person group. You can just add, like, let's say Matt, if you were my 
like sponsor you're just like my i don't know my brother um i can add you and you can get weekly updates to see kind of my progress on those different elements of of the recovery journey and so i can be in a group and have that or i can just have that and so yeah we've also tried to build it to kind of be able to customize to what you need and what you want for your support system cool cool can you talk about where people can find it um both like which countries is it available in and then how can people get it and then also the importance of the paywall Yes. Yeah. So I mentioned to these guys that the app was free originally, um, and it is no longer not. And I will explain why the, the app is called relay improved together. And so it's in the app store and play store. So for iOS and Android, it's not available on the computer yet. That's probably something we'll add in the future. Um, and it's available in any English speaking country. So us, Canada, UK, Australia, uh, a couple others, I think as well. And then, yeah, so we've tried to make the tool really affordable, but the reason why it's not free is because early on we realized that uh, we had all these people joining our groups and a couple of them would be like really committed and sincerely wanting everything that I'm kind of talking about, like a, a group of peers who can help bring shame-free accountability and this deeper layer of connection. Um, but when it's free, uh, you get a lot of people who are just poking around, trying it out and not really that committed. And so the groups were just not very effective to put it on us. Like it was not the vision that I'm pitching you guys on right now. And that really sucks for the people who wanted a good experience. And so since we've transitioned to it being a paid tool, we, we still find that for most people it's very affordable or, you know, certainly less than the costs of therapy and, and often cheaper than a more comprehensive or full high touch program the people who you're joining the group with are all committed. They're willing to put mm-hmm. some skin in the game. And so this principle has been studied in, in everything from sports to, to other uh, types of like price psychology of if you're willing to pay money for something, you're going to get more out of it. And with recovery, that's just necessary. And so while ultimately our mission is to help as many people as possible, we, we want it to be a community that is effective first and foremost. Totally. So, no, we totally get that Chandler. Cause uh, we always say this too, uh, if money is the, the block for you for getting help, you need to rethink your strategy because uh, it shouldn't be yeah. really. It's the cost that you'll pay of not doing something like this is far greater than the, the dollars that you're putting towards it. So uh, no, we, we totally yeah. get it. We think that's uh, yeah, you got to assign value to it because <laughs> there is value yeah. there. When we made that shift uh, and we were kind of introducing it to the therapist I'd worked with before and his group was kind of one of our first pilot groups, I was like a little like hesitant on how to talk about that it wasn't just going to be free because it was free for a while and then we were going to ask them to pay a little bit. And he just came in there and he just kind of, you know, went in guns a blazing. He's like, guys, you guys go to Taco Bell, right? Like, or something like that. It is literally the cost of like a Taco Bell run, probably not even like less than that, like less than five bucks a week is like what it comes out to ish. And he's like, if you're not willing to do that, guys, I'm sorry, but you don't deserve this tool. And I was like, oh gosh, like that's not the way I would have said it, but (laughs) (laughs) he's got a point. Like I think, and if, if money really is like an actual issue, we do make it so that people can reach out to us and we do have scholarships available, but we do just want there to be commitment because it will work better for you and work better for everyone. Yeah. And, or people could just stop going to just Starbucks for two of their <laughs> 10 trips per month. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Not fine. hard to do. Not hard to do. <laughs> exactly. Well, Chandler, thanks so much for the work that you've put in and for partnering with us and, and just for sharing your story today too. I, I know that it's probably, uh, I'm sure it's blessed a lot of people and you've already been, a, been out there in the world, uh, changing lives. So thanks for everything you're doing. And it's just so great to connect. 
Oh, thanks, guys. Appreciate you and all the work you're doing as well. Thanks for having me. Mm, thanks, Chandler. So Relay app, check it out. We think this is a great tool. Yeah, please go take a look. And we encourage you in your healing journey, use these tools. They are important in uh, a freedom stance, uh, moving in that path. So uh, look into that. We just want to encourage you, wherever you're at right now, whatever you're feeling today, we're praying for you. We're in your corner. And we know and trust that God's working in your life. So bless you. Have a great week. We'll check in with you next week. Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more, please visit purevictorypodcast.com to subscribe. This podcast was made possible by the generous donations of our subscribers. If you would like to help support the cause financially, once again, please visit purevictorypodcast.com.